0: This is Ag Bioscience. Welcome. And thanks for joining. I'm Mitch Frazier, CEO of Agrinovas Indiana. And this is the podcast where we explore all things Ag Bioscience the people, the products, and innovations across food, animal health, plant science, and ag tech. Last year, the federal government invested nearly $120 billion to combat food insecurity with its Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. And the challenge still remains. As Agrinovis works to inspire innovation to improve food security through a new category of ag tech we call hunger tech, it's important to understand the scope of food insecurity in America and how we can improve it. We're joined today by an expert in the food system. Welcome Dr. Jason Lusk, distinguished professor and head of agricultural economics at Purdue University. Jason, welcome back to Ag Bioscience.
1: Thanks, Mitch. It's always a pleasure to be on. It's
0: good to see you and big topic today, food insecurity just an unfortunate reality in communities across the country, both urban and rural. Before we get into, Jason, a deep understanding of what's really happening and the role that technology could play in combating hunger, we need to learn about you. Share more about your journey and the work you and your team are leading to understand the economics of the global food system.
1: Sure. I- I grew up in a a rural agricultural area, so I have lots of hours hoeing uh, weeds on a farm. Uh, And so I have a deep appreciation for technology that can uh, make those jobs easier. Uh, Degree in food science, I'm an economist, worked as a food economist for the the past couple of decades. Most of my research has focused on food demand and consumer demand issues. Some of that's related to what people are willing to pay for new foods, new labels, new technologies, the impacts of food policies, Mm-hmm. as they, they, they both impact the retail sector, but also as they trickle down, impact food processing in the farm sector. i am been excited to, to start a new center here at Purdue, Center for Food Demand Analysis and Sustainability. And really, we're just trying to make, uh, help improve understanding of the food sector. We've got uh, scores of data dashboards on our website that you, know, you can click on, look at, at food prices, uh, wages in the food sector, Uh, connections between different parts of the food sector, uh, spending at restaurants, spending at at home. And then we have a monthly survey that we do. We we survey about 1,200 U.S. food consumers all across the country. It's a nationally representative sample. And we track a variety of things related to sustainable food uh, buying habits, spending, inflation expectations, Mm -hmm. uh, beliefs about the food sector, uh, measures of trust, and a whole host of other issues. Well,
0: I want to dig into that, Jason, because it, the food economy, the only economy on the planet that touches every person, food being at its core. Let's dig in to the economics of, of what's fueling food insecurity. Give us a sense, if you could, how are food prices trending and what effect are you seeing? Higher interest rates, the Fed just raised rates, uh, hotter than desired inflation. What, what are those attributes doing to food and food insecurity?
1: yeah let's talk about inflation first you know i've been an economist food economist an agricultural economist for 20 years uh for most of my career we never talked about food price inflation yeah you get a a certain commodity that there was something going on in that market and there'd be a run-up and there'd be discussion about that but but nothing like we've experienced over the last two years and in the you know it's pretty clear why you look at the data you know, for the 10 years leading into the pandemic, you know, we're averaging uh, just about 1% increase in food prices at an aggregate level on, a, on an annual basis. So there just wasn't much to talk about <laughs> as, as right. part of the story. Um, and so uh, that's really changed over the past uh, couple of years. And, and really about a year after the start of the pandemic, we started to see some, some run up in food prices and it hasn't gone away. So for the past probably half year, food prices have been at grocery have been 10% higher than the prior year. So again, back up, you know, for the, you know, roughly two decades prior to the pandemic, we averaged about 1% increase per year. Now we're averaging, you know, about 10 to 12% higher per year. So it's not unprecedented territory. Uh, We saw something similar in the late seventies, early Mm eighties, but it's certainly very unusual and something that we haven't experienced in our lifetimes. The other thing that's important to note is there've been headline numbers about overall inflation and that it's been high but but food prices have outpaced the inflation oh, in the overall economy. I so, see. you know, if the overall economy right now is running, you know, 6 or 7ish percent, food's higher uh, at grocery it's you know more it's been 10 11% over the last few months. So, it's been running even hotter than than the past. You ask about the Federal Reserve policy. so we've been in, seen an increase in um, in rates, uh, in uh, in the the interest rates, and, and that has had some impact. The rate of increase has fallen, right? But it still means it's increasing, and it's still increasing at a higher at a higher level than we're accustomed to. But at least it's sort of moving in a direction that's that's uh, positive. That that rate of increase has fallen. Now, I do want to say one thing that's been interesting at least, and that is at the aggregate level, during this period where we've seen a real run up in food prices, we haven't yet at a high aggregate level across the country seen a big uptick in food insecurity rates, uh, which is a bit surprising, right? Absolutely. expect food prices getting more expensive, consumers are gonna need to tighten their belt buckles, uh, which means they might not be able to afford as much food as they would otherwise. But we haven't yet seen that translated to a headline number of a big uptick in food uh, insecurity. I think there's a couple things going on there. One is one of the causes of inflation probably was there was a lot more money floating around the economy, at least early on in the pandemic, as we um, you know, sent out stimulus checks to households, we expanded unemployment benefits, and we uh, expanded SNAP benefits. That's the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, sometimes known as food stamps. Um, now, those, they were expanded and increased because of some emergency measures. A lot of states are now rolling those back. Uh, people have largely eaten through a lot of those savings that they might have had from that extra money that was floating in the economy. And so we, we are with a very keen eye watching our monthly data on that food insecurity measure because I think particularly if we kind of lead into a recession, we're at a point where I think we could see food insecurity t- starting to tick back up.
0: In a yet to re- be or yet to be released report worked on with your team on uh, with our team here at Agronovis, you found I think this playing out in the data a disturbing trend. Percentage of Indiana households I'm pulling this from the report. The percentage of Indiana households that had a difficulty purchasing food rose from 9.4 percent in May of 2020 to a high of 13.4 percent in December of 2022. I think speaks to exactly what you were talking about. This idea that while we haven't seen food insecurity rise, we've seen this challenge mm-hmm. of actually purchasing food increase over that period of time.
1: That, that's right. And, and when we talk about food insecurity, it, it, that at the you know detailed level, it refers to a specific set of questions that the USDA asks on a, on a survey. And it, it, the questions are sort of along the lines of, um, you know, have you, did you have enough money to buy all the kinds of food that you wanted to eat um, over the past year say, um, but, but those particular statistics that you cited are, you know, slight variations on that theme. So that, you know, some people call it food sufficiency uh, that are variations on that in those, as you, as you mentioned uh, are starting to, uh, uh, tick up a bit and I, and again, so I think we're sort of you know I don't think we're in like crisis mode yet. I think we are seeing some of our social safety nets starting to k- kick in and catch more people. but it, it it's not moving in the direction that we would hope it might.
0: Jason, your insights have been influential, have been really key to shaping agrinovas. and I thank you for that. but as we go back into, why we're even in this world? Why Agrinovis is spending time on this? Why we're spending time on combating hunger? It really came from a report that you worked on, uh, your team worked on back. We, I think we released it in, in early 2021. And I'm paraphrasing here. One of the findings out of the report, but in the future, food security will be driven more by connectivity than proximity. Meaning that mm-hmm. digital connectivity will, you know, will will be more important in the long term than the grocery store in the corner. You know, armed with that insight, we created a whole new focus, a new innovation challenge to inspire the creation of new category of ag tech, one we call hunger tech, much like fintech or sales tech or martech, we call it hunger tech, really to better connect, a software to better connect food supply to food demand through new entrepreneurial tech businesses. I'm eager to hear. So that was two years ago. Is your thesis, your idea still the same, that connectivity is really a key part of eradicating hunger?
1: I think connectivity and innovation um, you know tech innovation otherwise are, are I think really key to this problem there's been a big debate about you know people have probably heard this word food desert right what does it mean and there's probably some debate about does it really exist and part of that debate has centered around like what's causing what um, you know do we not have grocery stores and food access in certain areas because people don't there's not enough demand there people don't want them or is it some other, know kind of structural issue that's preventing those from happening um you know my view of that literature is that it's often that it's it's not always that that the demand story is is really what's what's happening here If there's not fruits and vegetables in a certain area it's often because there's not enough demand there for it to be profitable well how can you change that equation and the answer is through innovation and technology how can we deliver say, fresh fruits and vegetables? How can we deliver products, get them to people in a more affordable manner? That takes innovation. It doesn't mean the problems, it's not a problem. It just means the solution to that problem it's is, uh, is you know, in my view, not necessarily cajoling consumers or trying to you know, change their preferences. That's very hard to do, but to, to change the environment, uh, there's sort of set of choices available to them by providing innovative opportunities for them You mentioned the report we did during the pandemic. And, you know, one of the things we saw during the pandemic was a lot more online food buying. Right. Yeah. That happened in people buying uh, groceries online, you know, even restaurant shopping, uh, whether it's things like Uber Eats or Grow Hub or those sorts of things. And so uh, it's still not the majority by any stretch of the imagination of food buying, but it's it's had an uptick. And I think people are more comfortable with that kind of food buying. And so that certainly is a mechanism, an opportunity to be able to change the food environment, the food landscape that people have available to them. I
0: love your focus on innovation. I mean, really focusing on what problem are we trying to solve and let's not be constrained by old constructs of, well, we have to have the store down the street or we can think bigger, we can think bolder, we can use new technologies. And we saw that. We saw that even last year, the 2022 White House Conference on Hunger Nutrition and Health. It was just blinding flash of the obvious (laughs) that the solution to food security will be, will have to be multifaceted, requiring government, requiring private sector, for-profit businesses, philanthropy, government, all linking arms to go innovate, to go find new solutions. We've really focused the Hunger Tech Innovation Challenge on innovation. How do we use new technologies to better connect food supply to food demand? Look, I think there's an opportunity there. It sounds like you think there's an opportunity there as well. What other areas do you see? What other gaps do you see in the food system that are really ripe for disruptive
1: innovation? Um, So, yeah, I think this sort of improving uh, food access is one. I think, you know, this is a little ways off, but but conveying information throughout the supply chain, I think, is a big Mm. one. You know, people want to know about where their food comes from. They they want to understand more about characteristics and production practices. That's been hard in the past because uh, you know food is relatively affordable in this country, and in large part that's because we have these big commodity systems that just focus on volume. But I think you know, with technology, with the you know a potential ability to trace, track, um, carry information along with food, I think those are real opportunities to connect with consumers, to communicate information with consumers. Uh, some of it from a food retailer's tra- standpoint may be more about uh, risk and insurance, uh, you know, traceability. If I have a problem, can I figure out where it came from more quickly than I have in the past? So some of it may not even necessarily be consumer-facing, uh, but, uh, but it may be helpful to consumers in making sure that, that they have food available to them before there are problems. But I think some of it is consumer-facing and that over time, people want to find more information about the foods that they have, uh, whether it's or you know, location origin, whether it's partic- particular production practices that were used. And again, we're not there yet, but are the way we're going to get there is I think through through innovation and technology adoption. It
0: is interesting as you look at you know the new technologies that we see in ag tech and we, we can go across the food system, plant science, animal health, value-added food and nutrition, pick your favorite. And it it is the innovation where everyone wins that will, I, I think, will emerge to your point on traceability, trackability. The producer, him or herself, have to get paid for, for that innovation all the way through the value chain, or or it stops, right? That the system breaks down and we're not able to get that innovation. To actually to market. And I think as we look at food insecurity, I think there's some similar pieces here. Everyone in this equation from the producer to the wholesaler to the retailer, and then ultimately the, the end consumer, we've got to figure out, we have to figure out how all these things work together. What do you see? I mean, what are some of the headwinds that you see that, that really make it a challenge for private for-profit businesses to come together with public policy leaders to really accelerate innovation in the food system? Is it is it in the value chain? Is it in marketability? What what are the what's the headwind that's really preventing these things from coming together to make food insecurity better?
1: I mean, I think the answer to that will depend on you know the specific problem that mm. that one is looking at. And in some cases, it may just be: is there enough profitability here um, to make something work? Is there is there high enough demand in in with the food insecurity problems? You know, to be frank, in a lot of cases, we're talking about low income households. Uh, if it's if it's rural households that aren't maybe very well connected they're hard to reach so they're costly to reach and so part of it is just the structural issue of is there enough demand enough money to be made to encourage entrance into the space I think that's certainly a, a headwind but again how do you address that finding ways to lower cost finding ways to be more efficient uh finding way you know synergies between uh Thing you know, reaching those kinds of consumers. So I don't think it's not an insurmountable problem, but I think sure. it is, it is a barrier. Sometimes there are regulatory barriers. Hmm. Um, you know, we I mentioned SNAP earlier. You know, for a long time there, you couldn't use SNAP benefits in certain ways. Um, actually, you know, if you if you back up for several years, it it was still a, a paper system. They they did right. move that uh, years ago to uh, something that more resembles a debit card. Um, but for a while you couldn't even use that at, at a retailer, like say Amazon. So that, those, you know, just really in the last couple of years, I think Mitch, you you've been involved in some of those discussions and efforts. That's right. That's right. Um, but those were regulatory barriers, um, not technological barriers, uh, per se, that prevented us accessing consumers. And I suspect there are many other of those types of regulations that exist. And then um you know, there's, there are, of course, you know, in that, uh, entrenched interests in the way the food system is now. And, um, and I think a lot of, the, we have a lot of great companies working in food, and ag, but there's competition and uh, one has to figure out how to work with competition. I think one thing that's interesting about tech, you mentioned that whole food supply chain from, you know, retailer to, to you know, transportation, logistics, and then processing, farm, whatever. One nice thing about technology, you have the sometimes the ability to skip over some of those systems or reach around them in ways we didn't otherwise. So, uh, uh, you know, sometimes uh, existing companies don't like that (laughs) Um, or maybe we can find ways to bring them along, but that could be a barrier too, is how do you work within the existing system that in many cases works very well, um, but can sometimes be resistant to change um, and new, new ways of approaching these problems.
0: It reminds me of the book, The Innovator's Dilemma by Clayton Mm -hmm. Christensen, right? For like, perfect, perfect, the late Clayton Christensen, perfect example. Okay, Jason, we're talking with Dr. Jason Lusk, distinguished professor, head of agricultural economics at Purdue University. Last question. I should give some context here, Jason. So the application window to compete for the Hunger Tech Innovation Challenge. All the things that Jason and I have talked about, about how do we go solve this, you listening have an opportunity to be a part of the solution. The Innovation Challenge window is open now through April 7th. You will put a link to register down in the show notes. You can find it agronovusindiana.com as well. Uh, We'll also have a podcast in the show notes where you can go listen to a bit more on the challenge itself. Okay, Jason, here we go. Last question. Great innovation, as we've talked about, always begins with a problem to be solved. I know there are a lot. We've highlighted a lot here today. Give us one. What's the one discrete problem that you want to you want to empower these teams, energize these teams, inspire these teams, these entrepreneurs, these innovators? What's the one problem they can go solve to improve food security? And what advice can you share with them on, hey, considering to compete in the Hunger Tech Innovation Challenge?
1: Yeah, I think it's you know the core of the issue is how, how do we get food that people actually want <laughs> to eat uh, to them an affordable manner? I mean that that's really the core of of the problem and and the so you know it's it, I think it's a combination of those of those issues. I'm not doing a very good job, Mitch, in saying it's a it's a there's not a, a single single salute, uh, you know challenge that that one has to solve to really address food security. But I do think about, you know, matching consumers uh, with the foods they want to eat in an affordable way. I mean, that's really the, the crux of, of the issue, I think. And it's so great to have this hunger Tech Challenge because, um, you know, we need new ideas. Uh, we need new ways to think about that. I, you know, I think for folks working in this space, talking to consumers that are food insecure, maybe look, digging, doing some deeper dives into, into, into data, like some of the ones we're creating, to help really understand the problems that folks that are food insecure are facing. I think that's probably where we'll find those solutions and where we'll we'll help provide innovative solutions.
0: That's good. And Jason, we have research that we'll soon release with you and your team, but you mentioned a bunch of dashboards that you too publish, where can we find those?
1: It's the Center for Food Demand Analysis and Sustainability, CFDAS. If you just Google Purdue and CFDAS, you'll wind up on our webpage. And uh, the two main buckets of data there are data dashboards in our survey, which is called Consumer Food Insights. Uh, you should find, be able to find both of those on our, on our CFDAS website.
0: Incredible. He is Dr. Jason Lusk, Distinguished Professor, Head of Agricultural Economics at Purdue University. As always, Jason, really appreciate your time, and, and thanks for your leadership in this really important space.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mitch. Enjoy being on.
0: And thank you for tuning in to Ag Bioscience. You can get the latest Ag Bioscience news and insights from discussions just like this by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And while there, you can access our entire library and give us a review. Don't forget, you can always learn more online at agronovusindiana.com. On behalf of the entire agronovis team, I'm Mitch Frazier saying thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you.
1: This podcast is a product of Agronovis Indiana in collaboration with Inside Indiana Business, hosted by Mitch Frazier. Produced by Kayla Chittister and Fabian Rodriguez. Photography by Kaylee Kerr. To get all ag bioscience news all the time, visit agronovusindiana.com.